Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you are joining me for this message. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and we are in episode 176 of today's edition of Bible Bites. And we are reading, my reading for today is found in Psalm chapter 66 through 69. And so we've got a few chapters to cover here, and there's some very good stuff in this, uh, in the book, in, in all of the book, in all of the Bible. I love it. Uh, God is good. His word is good. And so I just trust that this will be a blessing to you today as we look into the word of God and as we continue reading through the scriptures in this year. I hope you are joining me and following a Bible plan as well. So today we're in Psalm 66 through 69, and so I want to point out a few things about this. Uh, first of all, as always, I like to try to inform you if the, if the author is listed or whatever. Uh, the author here is not named, but it is to the chief musician, and it is a song. It's similar to David's writing, so it's possible that he also wrote this, but there is no attribution as to the actual author here that's given to us in this scripture. And uh, I want to read verses 1 and 2 of this because there's something important that I want to point out here. First of all, make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. And then it goes on verse 3. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. And what struck me here was when it was talking about the honor of God's name. You know, beloved, I believe that we need to restore in this day the honor of God's name. There is so much that's been either through dead, dry religion that has tarnished the name of God or through licentiousness and this loosey-goosey, greasy grace gospel that is promoted, that has tarnished. You know, no matter where we look, we can see things that have tarnished the honor of God's name. And I love it here where um, the author here of this psalm is encouraging us to restore and to sing out and to declare the honor of God's name. May we care as Christians today in the 21st century to restore the honor of God's name among his people and to the world so that they can see the true God that we serve and not some false image because they've been uh, either hurt in church or they've been disappointed by dead, dry religion or they've been lured into licentiousness and easy, easy greasy living that isn't um, honoring to God. And so I just pray, and my heart bleeds to restore the honor of God. And I just pray that we will restore that honor of God to his name and of his name again. In verse 5, I see this as one of the ways we can do this is through evangelizing. You know, come and see the works of God. It's an invitation. Come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing toward the sons of men. So we're putting out, we're declaring that. We're putting out an invitation for them to come and see God's awesome name and God's works and how good he is. And, um, and in that way, we're, that's one of the ways we can restore the honor 
to his name and make his praise glorious. Hallelujah. I was I found it too interesting in verse 13 through 15 of this chapter where he talked about the things that he had promised God when he was in trouble. Now he's remembering those and wanting to fulfill those. And, you know, sometimes we get in trouble, we cry out to God, he delivers us, and then we forget. We forget what we promised him. You know, it's, it's also dangerous, too, to make rash vows. You know, many people, oh, God, if you'll just deliver me from da-da-da, or you'll help me right now, then I'll do such and such the rest of my life. And then God delivers us, or God is merciful and heals us, or whatever it is, and we forget and so sometimes we need to uh, remember two things. First of all, don't make rash vows. You know, we certainly cry out to God and we ask for his mercy, of course. But we need to be careful about what we promise him. And then second, we need to be faithful to keep promises that we have made, especially when they have been vows to the Lord himself. In, um, in verse 16, I was struck by this. He says this, come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. Part, a major part of the early church and the spread of the gospel and the, the increase of people coming to know Jesus was because they were going around telling, hey, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you who this man is because I know him. I know him personally. This is who he is to me. He's done such and such for this for me. He saved me. He set me free. I'm no longer a slave to sin. All of those kinds of things. And we're just going out telling our story. And the gospel spreads that way. It's not always about some teacher or preacher. Praise God for those. I know I'm, I'm called in, in one of those callings myself, in that kind of calling myself, and many others are. And we praise God for those. We praise God for the Billy Grahams and the Charles Stanleys and the, and the others that are going about preaching and teaching. But, beloved, every one of us can share our story. Every one of us can influence a co-worker or a family member or whatever in future generations by telling our story and spreading the gospel through our own testimonies as well. So I encourage you to do that if you are a child of God. Hallelujah. And then in verse 8, it's in our 18, excuse me, it's important for us to remember this. If I regard iniquity in my heart, notice it's in my heart inside. It's not just about what's the external, it's about what's deep inside of us. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. And I want to just point out a couple of things about that. You know, it's because sin breaks our fellowship with the Lord. It's like it clogs up the pipe or it sticks up a dam that closes off the communications and the blessings between us and God. And so the solution always Always the solution is the first thing you do is you get rid of the dam or you get rid of the clog. You cleanse that. You, you go before God, confess that sin, get it out of the way, get it out of your heart, and then fellowship and blessings are restored. Then the flow can come again and flow freely to you and through you. So I was just encouraged by that. In chapter 67, the author, again, is not named. Again, it's to the chief musician and was designed to be a song or a hymn. This, to me, I noticed as I was reading through this one, it was kind of an invitation and a hymn of praise 
and crying out to God for his blessing, his face to shine upon them. And I was reminded, and we haven't gotten to that point yet in the scriptures, but we will. In Proverbs 16, verse 15, it speaks of how in the light of a king's face, there is life and there is favor. Hallelujah. When the king's face, when God's face shines upon us, it brings life and it brings favor to us. And that's what this psalm is crying out for. In Psalm chapter 68, the author here is listed as David to the chief musician for a song. And, you know, we, we say this many times, and I pray this prayer, and I encourage you to pray this prayer as well. Let God arise, verse 1. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let those who hate him flee before him. Hallelujah. May we pray that and may it come to pass in our day that God will arise. And here again, this is a, a song that you can sing. There's a, a chorus uh, from several years ago that took and put this into a song. And so I encourage you because singing the scriptures is one of the best ways to memorize them and to get them into your heart. It's amazing how you can go in a restaurant now or something and you can hear a song from the 50s or the 60s or the 70s or 80s or whatever it is. And immediately, you know, some of the words come right back to you and you remember those things, even if you haven't heard it in years and years and years. And that's because music is a powerful way for us to remember things and for it to truly impact us inside. And so singing the scriptures is one of the best ways to memorize the scriptures. So I just encourage you with that um, as, I read, as I read that verse. Now, then going on down in verse 5, I want to point this out of chapter 68, it says this, a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. How true, but also notice how tender, that God in essence adopts the fatherless. He is a father to them. He becomes the father to them. And he also is a defender of widows. How precious is God to all of his creation, to all of his children, and he will care for them. And they, I believe they have maybe a special place in his heart and in his care. In verse 18 of chapter 68, it speaks of uh, something that's quoted by uh, Paul in Ephesians 4, 8 and is fulfilled in Jesus. It says, you have ascended on high, you have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among, among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. And so Paul um, quotes a portion of that, and he declares it to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Hallelujah. In verse 19 and 20, I want to point out a couple of things here. In verse 19 and 20, it says this, Blessed be the Lord, first of all, who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Think about that. Now, I know that you and I, we can look on our life, even, even in the times of stress, times of trial, sickness, whatever it is that we're going through, and yet we can look past that and see that God daily loads us with benefits. Every day, 
Every day he gives us breath. He gives us strength. He gives us uh, family. He gives us friends. He gives us um, work, the ability to work, energy, whatever it may be. We can see how he daily daily loads us with benefits, even things that we don't always think about. Sometimes, you know, we just take things for granted, like the ability to see with our eyes or the ability to walk or some of these other things that God has given to us as blessings and as benefits in this life. So we bless him in response because he does daily load us with benefits. And in the next verse, verse 20, our God, our God, the God that we serve, the God of the Bible, is the God of salvation. And to God the Lord and to him alone belong escapes from death. This really prompted me, and I wanted to share this with you. It coincides with other writers all in the New Testament, but I specifically thought of um, the uh, Luke when he wrote Acts 4, verse 12, and Paul when he wrote Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11, that only in Jesus' name is salvation. There is no other name given under heaven whereby men can be saved, Luke wrote in Acts. In Philippians, Paul talked about his name. He is exalted, and his name now is the name above every other name. Jesus said, no one can come to the Father but through me. Salvation belongs to God and to God alone, and that provides the escape from death. And it's talking about the eternal separation and doom from God, being separated from God. Think about this. God is the source of light. And God is not in hell. So in hell, there is nothing but utter darkness, torment, worms crawling. I mean, it, it's, an, it's an awful thing to even think about. And God has provided a way so that no one has to go there. No one has to in, endure that. But it's only through the blood of Jesus. It's only through the name of Jesus that we can be saved. And so this coincides with that because our God is the God of salvation. He has given to us a way of salvation, and that is his son. And to God the Lord belong the escapes from death through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want to also read uh, in verse 24 through 26, I'm actually not going to read this, but I do want to point it out because I believe this is prophetic of Jesus' second coming when he enters into Jerusalem. talks about how they've seen his procession and there's singing and there's dancing and there's timbrels. There's great excitement. And I'm covering a good bit of that um, in the series, in the online Bible study that I'm doing on Sunday. No, I'm sorry, on Tuesday nights uh, called Thy Kingdom Come. And we're getting into some of that. But I love that, how uh, he may be talking here about um, the coming of Jesus when he enters Jerusalem as the conquering king. Hallelujah. In chapter 69, we move on into chapter 69. And there's just a couple of points as I draw down to a close to mention here. The author here is listed to be David. It is to the chief musician, and it has a particular tune that they would sing this to. And I want to read <clears throat> verses 5 and 6 because I found a, a wonderful principle here that I want to point out. It says here, O oh God, you know my foolishness, and my sins are not hidden from you. Let not those who wait for you, O oh God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. 
Let not those who seek you be confounded because of me, O God of Israel. And I just, as I was reading that this morning, I just was alerted um, to the fact that this is the heart of a true leader. A true leader will recognize his own faults and failures, his own inabilities, his own lacks, but yet he's crying out to God as a true leader that the people that are under him, the people that are in his sphere of influence will not be hindered because of his own faults and failures. How beautiful is that? And beloved, you know, those of us that, that teach the word or that preach the word, Sometimes there are, there's an image that people get that whoever teaches God's word and preaches is some perfect person that sits on some pedestal somewhere. But that's not the truth. That is not the truth. We are just as faulty. I know I am. We have our own faults. We have our own failures. We have to go back to God and confess our own sins. But the heart of a true leader, and I know in my own heart, is that in spite of my faults, in spite of my limitations, in spite of my failures, that no one would be hindered from going on with God, from knowing the truth, and from having the Holy Spirit speak to his heart, especially because of me. So I don't want there to be any hindrance there. And I just love that because I saw a beautiful principle of leadership there and the heart of a true leader. How beautiful was that? Praise God. Then in verse 9, we see this fulfilled in Jesus and attested to, even quoted by John in John chapter 2, verse 17, when it says this, because zeal for your house has eaten me up and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. And that Jesus fulfilled that in his day in John chapter 2. You can read that. I noticed in verse 16, again, throughout the Psalms, you will hear David's cry. And many times you will hear him say, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, he knows God to be a merciful God. He knows that that's deeply embedded in who God is. And so whenever he has a need and he cries out to God, he's appealing for God's multitude of mercies to be applied to him. Hallelujah. We see verse 21 also fulfilled at the cross, this very scripture. They also gave me gall for my food and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. And we know that that was hoisted up to Jesus on that, uh, at the cross on that hyssop pole. In verse 30 through 31, I want to make one last point. It says this, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bull, which has horns and hooves. What David is saying here is that God desires sincere. Jesus talked about it in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. God desires someone to worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, we can go through the religious duties, we can go to church, we can sing the hymns, we can sing the songs, and not mean squat about what we're singing. Not mean it at all. And that's not what God wants. Just like he didn't want dead, dry sacrifices that meant nothing coming from the people of God. What God is after is our hearts being truly in love with him being truly singing praises to him because of his goodness, because of who he is, 
out of a heart of love and gratitude and thanksgiving to him. That's what he wants. And that's what David is talking about here. And so I pray that when we worship him, we will sincerely be those who worship him in spirit and in truth. May God bless you with these thoughts today. And I pray the Lord will bless you and encourage you today from his word. Continue to read his word with me. Because every time I read it, he's always speaking to me something brand new. God bless you today. And I hope you can join me again for future episodes of Bible Bites. God bless you. Amen.